we're taking Sonic the Hedgehog to meet the bad guys and we're making a novice out of Morbius. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Vex Perfect and this is Offscreen, your seven-day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. Welcome to Offscreen. It has been quite a week this week. If you are a film fan, you may have seen a slap, I mean, an awards ceremony that has dominated the headlines. And, uh, wow, I think we've said enough. Of, well, not us saying enough. I think the world has said enough about uh, the Will Smith Chris Rock controversy at the Oscars. It was definitely an Oscars to remember. It was definitely something that I was annoyed that I couldn't attend and contribute to because I'd lost my voice. So Van, thank you in advance and uh, for all of your help and work that you did to step in at the last uh, minute for all of my slots and stuff. So. Oh, no, that's right. We are each other's understudies. So that's like our yes. entire role in each other's lives, I think. And also, congratulations on, on, on what, what little of your voice you have managed to get back. It's holding firm. We're going to get there, Bex. We're going to get through firm. this. Yes. I think people might like this husky version, but um, <laughs> it will be temporary, I assure you. So um, we're kicking off this week with, um, with a movie that... Well, we talked about it uh, last week between the two of us as saying it's whiplash meets rowing and it's called The Novice. Um, and it is a story about a woman called Alex, who is a college freshman who joins her university rowing team. And she starts to get a really ob obsessive, compulsive mindset towards not just being part of this rowing team, but also to make it to the top of everything that she do she does, no matter what the cost. So pushing herself to the absolute limits and beyond, this is the novice. You have the best time. It still wasn't enough. Relax. You're like the best novice. You gotta let it go. Thanks, Mike. My fault we lost. Give yourself a break. Relax. 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 You don't understand you know how hard I have to push myself to be the best. I can't keep watching you do this. I'm just gonna go to the bathroom. I just want to say that that soundbite trailer there makes it sound so much more energetic yes. than this movie actually is. Yes. So absolutely. kudos to whoever cut that trailer. <laughs> absolutely. Hats off to the trailer editors. Now, obviously, we said, you know, whiplash with boating. A uh, key thing there, first of all, uh, this obviously skews female, whiplash skews more male. Uh, whiplash has you know, an actual antagonist. This does not. And it's only when that antagonist element is removed that you realize that I don't think Whiplash would have been anywhere near as good without JK. And it's very mm. interesting, obviously, when you look at that film now, that only JK really got that Oscar. You know, didn't Chazelle? Chazelle got something for writing, I think. But uh, anyway, um, JK obviously is the figurehead Oscar winner, kind of, of that. Um, but we don't have that kind of role in this film, says, says that there is a void in there that's never really filled. Um, now, the thing about it is, I see, feature film debut, writer-director uh, Lauren Hadaway. She, she made a short before this, but this is her first actual film. She's uh, generally worked in the sound department, had uh, supervising dialogue credits on the Justice League of all things, notably Zack Snyder's Justice League as well. Um, I, I can't falter as a director because I think it's a very well-directed film. Mm, and when I agreed. say directed, I mean even the performance that uh, Isabel Furman gives. And Isabel Furman, by the way, I'm a big fan of because of I have I've, I've this sort of schlocky soft spot for because of Orphan. 
because of the movie Orphan, which is now getting a prequel, by the way. I love to talk about that every chance I can get. I don't know how they're doing it, but I'm, I'm, I'm there for it. I'm here for it. Pour it in me. You know, <clears throat> but the problem is the script on this, the story just isn't really there. And like you say about the energy being there in the clip and not in the film, absolutely 100%. You know what it is that's missing out of this is context. So this film captures the moment in time in which she's a college freshman, she joins this rowing team, and she is completely obsessed with both her, her schoolwork and also her rowing. And the thing is, is that as this builds, you're kind of reaching a plateau with it because you don't know why. You don't know why they kind of, she's kind of in this state. You kind of don't get that background. And I think that's problematic. And then they throw in a relationship point as well, just to spice it up a little bit. But that's kind of a moot point on this. It's really unnecessary to have that element in this. It should just be about her absolute passion for, for this and what has driven her from her backstory to do that. And because we don't have that, you feel a little bit like, why do I care? And that's the main problem with this film, I think. I will go. I do you know. I will. I will. I will agree with you on that. I'm, I'm going to say the novel, novel, the novelty, the novice can uh, definitely stay in the minor leagues. Let's move on then to uh, the bad guys, which I'm happy to say we can say more positive things about. So Good. Uh, the bad guys, new DreamWorks movie. Um, I, yes. I, I, I went and saw this with my my former flatmate, one of my best friends, and his his uh, eight year old son. We went to see this. Uh, this last weekend at a preview, and we all had a blast. We had uh, Lucy Sav's wife came along, new wife came along as well, and uh, we we had a great time at the movies, just us and this kid. We had a great time. And the story is that basically you've got this sort of crew of heist-driven super criminals who are like the big bad wolf. You've got a snake, you've got a piranha, you've got a spider, and you've got a shark. And they're anthropomorphic. It's a DreamWorks movie. They exist in an otherwise entirely human world, it seems, bar one guinea pig, played by Richard Iowardi, named Professor Marmalade. But we'll get to that. So the idea is that this crew the bad guys, as they are called, are just the most renowned super criminals in the city. But they feel like their time is coming. They have to steal. They wanted to steal this crown jewel award, an award given out to the best person in the city every year. And this year, it's going to be given to the city's benefactor, the great noble scientist, Professor Marmalade. As I say, played by Richard Iowardi, who is literally a guinea pig in a suit and for some reason seems to be physically modelled on me. I can't figure out. He's like me in a different <laughs> colour. It's like a blonde me which is a thing that does has existed. But anyway, he strikes... When, when the heist goes wrong, he strikes a deal with the mayor of the city. Let me take these bad guys and see if I can reform them. And he tries to turn the bad guys into, wait for it, the good guys. Here's him trying to teach them to rescue a kitten from a tree. Hey, look, it's a cat stuck in a tree. It doesn't get much simpler than that. Now, what in this scenario would give you that good tingle? Eating it? This is why I always carry two pieces of bread with me. No, I want you to... Smack it! Skin it! Stab it! Sauté! Sink to it? Save it. I want you to set it so obvious. I want you to save it. Oh, right, right. Whoa, that cat is obviously defective. I always wonder with... Um, with the amount of animated feature films that we're coming out in the moment, the, the churn of it mm. is to whether or not they can keep up to, you know, those heights of, of what we saw in the years gone by. Like, so like Toy Story or Up or whatever, it was such an, 
a moment when those films came out because they were kind of, you know, just not really, we hadn't seen something for a while. And I feel like there's much more of a churn. So, you know, for this to make a, a cut through, is it is it going to... Is it going to do that, like, amongst everything else that's out at the moment? Well, first of all, it's a DreamWorks movie. So that kind, yeah. of, that kind of, first of all, it gives you the quality barrier and it gives yeah. you the financial estimation in one, which is kind of the handy thing about DreamWorks. You know this is never going to be a five-star effort. It's probably going to be about three and a half. If you're really mm. lucky, maybe a four. Occasionally, you get a Kung Fu Panda. You know, occasionally you get a How to Train Your Dragon. Mm. But most of the time, they're round about this three to three and a half kind of level. I think Megamind was Megamind DreamWorks. Because this is very similar to the sort of Megamind right. Despicable Me archetype of the bad guys going good. <clears throat> now, great cast for this, and they're a lot of fun. Sam Rockwell, you can hear in the clip there as, uh, as Mr. Wolf. <clears throat> which never seemingly generates a, uh, uh, a Pulp Fiction gag somehow. Uh, you've got Mark <laughs> Maron as the snake, Aquafina as Webbs, the hacking tarantula. Uh, Wolf is the sort of general George Clooney grifter. There's loads of references to things like Out of Sight, by the way, in this Clooney references. I think they say at one point, give her the full Clooney, I think, is something <laughs> that comes on at one point. Uh, Mark Maron's snake, who you can hear in there saying, that's why I always carry two pieces of bread, has a thing about eating guinea pigs. He's the safe cracker. Like I say, you've got Webbs, who's the hacker. Shark, who's played by Craig Robinson, is the master of disguise. And you've got Anthony Ramos as uh, Piranha who is the wild card, as he puts it. It's bags of fun. There are some good laughs in it, but it is it is standard DreamWorks, three to three and a half star. There's loads of references to movies for the adults and for the kids. It's basically lowest common denominator, kind of box ticking A to B to C kind of derivative. Yeah. You can predict it. It's predictable as toffee, but it's perfectly fun and enjoyable. And we laughed. We really laughed hard. There's 100 minutes long. It's decently animated. It's quite. It's using a bit more of that sort of slightly more hand-drawn style of computer animation that's come into vogue in the last couple of years. We we saw Warner Brothers play with this ever so slightly in uh, in Tom and Jerry, for instance. And if you look at something like Wolf Walkers last year, that was quite acclaimed. Did a much better job than this, obviously, but it's the same kind of idea. Um, <clears throat> Really solid, though, for what it is. Like I say, really good time at the movies if you want something to take the kids to and also that you know you'll have a good chuckle with as well. Not all round in the way that Shrek is, but I would argue slightly more effective. Welcome back to Off Screen. Uh, we are keeping you cinematic because we're taking you to the blockbuster aisle. Let's say it that way. And <laughs> um, we've got two big films for you now, one of which has one of the biggest stars in the world right now, Jared Leto, uh, starring in it. And we're going to kick off with that one. It is Morbius. Uh, this is another superhero movie or anti-superhero movie, but starring Jared Leto. Van, you saw this. Take this one away. I, I did. So this isn't part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. However, it also kind of is. So this is part of what I think is referred to as Spump, the Spider Sony Pictures universe of Marvel characters, I think it was called. So Spunk, for short, is their version of the MCU. So this is the Venomverse, as you might know it, which apparently is also part of the the the, the what do you call him, the Andrew Garfield verse or something, if you follow some logic somewhere. Anyway, so it's yet another attempt to mine a spin-off out of a Spider-Man property without using Spider-Man, as per the, the agreement. It seemed right. to work out for them with Venom, because that obviously had the the, the appeal of Tom Hart the star appeal of Tom Hardy with the sort of bro appeal 
of Venom. Venom is a quite, you know, universally sellable character to a certain league of bro, in the same way The Punisher is, for example. Yeah. And, it, and it gets more horrifying the more you go into it. Um, Morbius is not that, though. Morbius is a character mostly known for his appearance in, I think, three or four episodes of season two of Spider-Man, the animated series from 1990. It would have been 95, I think. A part of the mutagenic, uh, metagenic nightmare, I think it was called. Or neogenic neogenic nightmare that was it and he was part of that and basically they had to censor him he was the living vampire he had a blood condition that experimentation that he was also a scientist and the experimentation to cure himself turned him into a vampire effectively but because of the rules of animation at the time they weren't allowed to show this on tv it's not to kids so they turned it into a turned him into a plasma sucking vampire with suction cups on his hands on like the, the palms of his hands were made of like little octopus style suction cups and he would suck the plasma out of people and make them old and that was his whole thing and he was in like three or four episodes and he went up against blade and the punisher funnily enough in the story we're now getting that 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 by the way is about all anyone remembers of this okay. character we're now getting that as a movie okay but without punisher without blade without spider-man it's just just that as a movie right so what, do, what do you do with that okay so you go back to the model evidently established in the mid 2000s when all these things were relatively unconnected and you made that sort of breezy like 100 minute at best star driven by the numbers here's an origin story here's his his vague power here's a rival for him to go up against the first Iron Man movie if you remember actually is, is a lot like that you know that very very basic to formula mid 2000s the thing is this has been so I, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. It's all of that. He's, he's, he's accidentally turns himself into the vampire. Is he going to be the good vampire and save humanity, or is he going to be the bad one and give in to his, his sensations? Here's Jared Leto giving it his all, to be fair, in discovering his powers. As a result of my procedure, I have an overpowering urge to consume blood. For the first time in my entire life, I feel good. Yesterday, I can barely walk. Today, I don't know what I'm capable of. I have the constitution of an Olympic athlete, increased strength and speed that can only be described as superhuman. And all of this on artificial blood. I've become something different. Last weekend, Mm -hmm. I went and watched the iconic 1922 Nosferatu in a church <laughs> with, an, with an organ playing. And I was amazed at how they brought that vampire to life, given the time and space and you know world that they lived in. And I could see how terrifying that would have been. A modern day vampire played by Jared Leto in yeah. the Marvel Cinematic Universe of sorts. Is it any yeah. good? It, it's absolute rubbish. Right, so obviously, <laughs> they have so obviously reshot and recut this several times. First of all, because of COVID, regardless, regardless of what the circumstance, this has had six release dates now. Okay, okay, now you can blame COVID for so many of them. Fair enough, right? But it's so obvious that this has this has been recut, reshot, rehashed, and you can sort of tell because certain th they always involve scenes with like very few characters on screen at the same time. Like they've only shot a plate here and there. I mean, there's there's an entire post set of post credit sequences that somehow managed to be worse and worse and less coherent than the movie itself. And believe me, this is a movie we're talking about that just stops. It's insane. I mean, oh, 
I don't even know where to begin with this one. Um, Matt Smith is the best thing in it, far and away the best thing in mm. it, right? Because he's hilarious. But the thing is, the film is so wildly all over the shop, tonally, thematically, that that may well not be intentional. That He could actually have been meant to be playing that as a serious film, and he just doesn't know. Because the movie does not seem to know what it's about, who it's for, and it all descends into this incoherent, mess of like mid-2000s level CGI. So the whole thing winds up feeling like Halle Berry's Catwoman. But oh, aimed, no. exclus aimed exclusively like that 45-year-old older sister you have who's still really into Jared Leto. Like, it feels like it's oh. aimed specifically at her. It's bizarre. Avoid this one like the plague. Like I say, somehow the post-credit sequences are even worse. And, and, and thankfully they stop midway through the credits, so they don't even make you follow them, which is, which is quite nice of them. Well, in that case, <laughs> I am uh, probably not going to go and see that. No, 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 no. Um, and something else that I am probably not going to go and see because I didn't particularly love the first, but I know no. that loads of people did, uh, is um, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, in fact. Um, it, it is. Yeah. So how and does that fare with Dr. Robotic or who's in it? Robotnik, Dr. Dr. Robotnik or Dr. Eggman. Now, it's, I think they, what they've done is they've turned that into a sort of gag that Sonic jokingly calls him Eggman, the sort of a slur now. Um, but this is, this, in that case, like you said, you, you weren't particularly a fan of the first movie. You're not particularly going to be a fan of this then because this is pretty much exactly as good as the first one, only this one's actually a Sonic the Hedgehog movie, in a sense, more than the first one was. The first one, you could have just made about any kind of licensed IP. Like, you could have made that first movie about Pac-Man if you wanted to. It could have been any character any recognisable character or non-recognisable character ever and you would have had the same movie and if you want proof of that we once did it with the Easter Bunny using the same actor and it was called Hop but anyway that's neither here nor there the sequel is here uh, Dr Robotnik has found his way back from the mushroom planet to which Sonic banished him in the live action CG hybrid uh, success story from 2020 that I think wound up being the second highest grossing film of that year thanks to the pandemic um, he's back and uh, he's brought a friend along for the ride but in order to face Robotnik and his new muscle Sonic's not going to have to do it alone he's got a new found friend and psychic who also happens to be his biggest fan a two-tailed flying fox named Miles Tails Prower. Tails in, in speech marks. Uh, everyone calls him Tails. And, well, do you know what? I'm going to let our clip cue up just who this new enemy, this new muscle, might be. Pitiful. Who are you? Where are my manners? Sonic, meet Knuckles. My new BFFAE. Bestest friend forever and ever. So I've read stuff today that Jim Carrey is talking about potentially retiring from acting and, you know, as we're sadly seeing with a lot of our heroes, shall we say. One thing that I did like from the first movie is like he did this whole Jim Carrey, almost like mask-esque moment. Yeah, he still it, is. That kind of, yeah, are we seeing that again? Is that what kind of pulls us through? We still are, and I think, to be honest with you, we seem to be getting more of it than usual, and a large part of that seems to be down to the fact that I think 99% of Jim Carrey's scenes have to have been shot alone on a green screen stage because he's surrounded at all times by things that can't possibly exist. So you, like, 
he's alone in a room doing this, isn't he? Like, they put him in that costume and then just left him in a green void with a camera pointed at him and let him cut loose. And to be fair, he's Jim Carrey, so you get what you pay for with that. Um, I will say... It's the sign of a good franchise when your team-up sequel has to have Idris Elba as the antagonist, as the Fast and Furious franchise, of course, recently proved. This is nowhere near as fun as that. It's, it's exactly the movie you think it is, though. It's the three-star caliber, basically inoffensively passable, live-action CG hybrid, 90s-style family adventure sequel, only the kind that's pioneered with that live-action CG hybrid thing from the 2010s, that's then crammed full of 40 years of complete needless pop culture references like at one point Jim Carrey's quoting Evil Dead 3, he's quoting Army of Darkness I'm like, hang on Jim, how many Evil Dead loving parents did you think were taking their kids to this movie? Like, you know there are moments like that, like, he's, he's with Klaatu Barata, Nick too and you're like, what? Come on, I, I mean alright, Jim, you and I know Come on, bro, we know. But I, I I don't think, you know, Steve the accountant taking his kid down, he's not necessarily gonna get that reference. And you I know, love you, that you're like I love that you're like, hey Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Jim. Buddy. <laughs> Bubby. <laughs> <laughs> but fine, it's fine for what it is. If you, like I say, if you're a fan of the first movie, it's about that caliber, and it is bigger and better, and it is bringing in more fan-friendly elements, and it's, it's you know, it's no resemblance to like the Sonic cartoons when you were a kid, but it was never gonna be. It's like set in a real world, for instance. And I will say, there is just something mortifying though on on a sort of you know cinematic level of watching Tika Sumter. You know Tika Sumter, great actress Tika Sumter, who seems to get stuck playing the love interest co-lead in in yeah. these thank in these thankless movies and it's like ride along and this and you're like I just have this I look at you and I think I know you're only there because this is the highest grossing franchise on your resume and you you can Aww. just pay the bills forever with it. Bless you. I but we all know you are better than this. So you know shout out for Tika Sumter who deserves better than this. But Sonic 2, uh, Sonic Boom, it works. Welcome back to Off Screen. So we've taken you from the big screen. Now we take you to the small screen. And we've got your selection of your seven days of movies that are going to make you want to be glued to your telly box. And we're kicking off with something for all the family. Stars Eddie Redmayne, or the voice of Eddie Redmayne. It takes you back to prehistoric times. And it's available at 5.30pm today on CBBC. It's called Early Man. Yeah, this this is this is a weird one because I remember right same friend I saw the bad guys with incidentally was was just happened to be in London the day of the press show for this like four years ago so I took him along, and 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 we were both shocked at how good this turned out to be. This is Ardman's caveman movie about Premier League football, for lack of a better Sold. term. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not a football fan, and I still thought this was brilliant. So Eddie Redmayne versus Tom Hiddleston is the best way to phrase this one. So the idea is um, it, it, it's the caveman who comes up against Bronze Age man, effectively. And in order to show his prowess against Bronze Age man, competes in primitive football. And this is Ardman's version of, you know, the, the Stone Age. It's really fun and really sharp and really clever in a way that I, I mean, I should have expected because Ardman, but I think there was just nothing in the uh, in the animation that really particularly inspired me. I think this came out around the same time as, was it Missing Link? Like I had Missing Link that I didn't really take oh, to yeah. as, as well. Yeah. But I think I think this was the, the stronger of the two for me. Good old Nick Park knocking it out of the park, no pun intended, again. And uh, <laughs> well, 
Eddie Redmayne and Tom Hiddleston taking you along for the ride. And how often do we get to talk about something on CBBC? So here, enjoy the music. We challenge the champions. Huh? What did you say? He said, we told what he said. If we win, we keep our valley. You leave my tribe in peace. Hmm. You think you can beat us at football? <laughs> Only just noticed, apologies, Richard Iowardi is in this one as well. Sorry, let's just give Richard Iowardi <laughs> all the credit this week for all of his animated roles. Well, there we go. That's on 5.30pm today and on CBBC, so if you've managed to catch it, well done. It's a definite corker for you. Moving on to tomorrow uh, on 9pm on Five Star. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> if he can get it in this list, he will. I still haven't seen it. I still what? don't know if I want to see it. I know what? it's a giant shark. It's called the Meg. And it's I, I'm always haunted by seeing the poster for it on like bus stops and stuff when it came out. I'm just going, not my tempo, not my tempo. But you oh, love the Meg. Absolutely my tempo. I'm sorry, but it, 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 it's a big budget movie in which Jason Statham fights a giant shark that then... <laughs> does not wimp out on literally just, they're not messing around they're just going to give Jason Statham a knife to put between his teeth and have him jump in the water and fight that shark and I'm sorry well, could... no they, they win for that that's, that's snakes on a plane level gall that is baller like... extreme I was just thinking about how disproportionate that knife will be versus that giant shark. <laughs> hey, it makes it makes a difference and it saves the day. I won't tell you how. You got to see the movie. You got to see the movie. See how Jason Statham fights a giant shark with a knife between his teeth. Just, I promise you, it's worth it. And for some reason that I cannot figure out, Ben Wheatley is currently making the sequel to this. Oh my. God. Yeah, can't figure that one out. But 9 p.m. five star tomorrow night, Saturday night. The Meg baby. They don't get any bigger than this. Uh, they, moving on. <laughs> yeah, they don't get any slappier than this either. On a Sunday night, 9 p.m. <laughs> also on five star. You've seen Enemy of the States, haven't you? Enemy of the States, Enemy of the States, haven't you, Bex? Many, many moons ago, I've seen it. So still Will good. Smith is in this. Yeah, still good. Um, this is on 9pm on Five Star. Um, I just don't know if we can look at these Will... I think it's too raw for us to look at Will Smith movies called Enemy of the State uh, this week. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's worth noting, incidentally, that Chris Rock starred in a movie called Head of State, in which he oh, ran God. the president. So you can... Anyway, beside the point, uh, worth noting, we're talking about things you can't talk about with, with Enemy of the State anymore. Um, Enemy of the State weirdly prescient movie as regards what it had to say about NSA and surveillance tech and things like that. Mm. This movie holds up and then some. This has actually become more poignant over time. This was this was decades pre-Snowden, you know what I mean? And, and this was all the same stuff, but done for fiction. This was the height of the X-Files conspiracy theory craze, though, when we wanted to believe that the government had the men in black that were out to get you, that were in the unmarked vans across the street that were monitoring, tracking your cell phone, things like that. And here it is, in the form of, you know, the the, the, the the wrongfully accused innocent man who is forced to go on the run, played by Will Smith, go on the run and team up with a conspiracy theorist played by the inimitable Gene Hackman in order to clear his name. So you can see this, 9pm, five-star, Sunday night. Take it away, Hackman. The National Security Agency conducts worldwide surveillance, fax, phones, satellite communication, 
The only ones in the country, including the military, could possibly have anything like this. Why are they after me? I don't know, and I don't want to know. Here they come. I thought these sat dishes would scramble their signal. Patrol, this is Air One. Repeat coordinates. 105 Chambers Avenue. You're transmitting. They still have a signal on you. Your collar, your belt, your zipper. Get rid of your clothes, all of them. And then what am I supposed to do? Nothing. You live another day, I'll be very impressed. Two targets, rooftop, north side. Understood, two targets, rooftop. Maintain visual, please. You have something they want. Look, I don't have anything. Maybe you do and you don't know it. You stay away from Rachel and you stay away from me. You come near either one of us, I'm going to kill you. Get rid of your watch. My wife gave me this for our anniversary. Then keep it. Stay off the phone. Oh. Uh. You know what? Just hearing that, I'm kind of going, that's my Friday night movie, you know? That's the thing that I'm going to want to watch. You know what I think it is? I think it's that Jerry Bruckheimer score in the background. You know, every Jerry Bruckheimer movie had that score in the background. I think it's that. It just makes you think every time. Oh, man, I miss Jerry Bruckheimer movies. Yeah, but also it's the sound of a helicopter. is like white noise for me. It sends me to, like, my trance. Um, Moving on to Monday, uh, we've got Flight of the Phoenix at 9pm on Paramount. Now, this is out from 2004. I actually haven't seen this. Uh, every time you say Flight of, I think of Flight of the Navigator. So I, that's the 80s kid in me. T- tell us, Van, what's this one about? I, I mean, see also Concords and Spruce Goose under that one, because they also had quite quite notable flights. Uh, Flight of the Phoenix remake of the old Dickie Attenborough movie, in which the, the plane crashed in the desert and the survivors have to basically rebuild the plane from scratch. They have to build a smaller plane out of a bigger plane so they can fly to safety before the desert marauders besieged them and killed them all. Here, remade, starring Giovanni Ribisi as Richard Attenborough, not a casting I would have come up with, and yet he's surprisingly great in it. Uh, Hugh Laurie's in there, Tyrese is in there, uh, Miranda Otto is in there. It's a pretty solid one, and it's got a pretty terrific sequence that plays out to uh, Angel by Massive Attack. Um, really worth saying, I think this is actually quite a good remake. As far as remakes go, this one kind of slipped under the radar, but it came out during a period in which the remakes that no one asked for were just flying out thick and fast. So we can't really be blamed. But if you get the chance to see this now, worth it good ride uh speaking of good rides let's talk about the ultimate ride at one point at one point the most expensive movie ever made i think it held that title until its own director returned about two years later i think with titanic so true lies 10 p.m five star tuesday night Bex. oh my goodness so before mr and mrs smith there was Mr. Ooh, yeah. Schwarzenegger and Miss Jamie Lee Curtis. And, um, yeah, this is just such a fantastic movie about, obviously, a, a family who didn't realise that the husband was a spy. And when that all unfolds, well, chaos ensues. And, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis that year, thanks to the dance that she does to yeah, seduce... pretty iconic. Yeah, to seduce, the, unbeknownst to her, her actual husband... Um, won her like sexiest female of the year and all that kind of stuff and yeah it's a really iconic scene this I also love always seeing like behind the scenes of when they shoot the the scene in the jet and like you've got them hanging off the side of it and you know if you're if you're such a film geek like we are you'll just love seeing how they created those on the green screen and how they made all those stunts work so fantastic movie 10pm five star equally fantastic but not as iconic Stan and Ollie is on uh, on Wednesday, 9pm on BBC2. This was a lovely movie. And again, like Van and I, if you grew up with maybe your parents sort of introducing you to the world of Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy, and you knew about that kind of level of comedy, seeing this kind of 
film about sort of what happens to them after their heyday and whilst mm. they're still doing this kind of vaudeville circuit, but not with the fan base that they had for many years before. This is a really, really enchanting and beautiful look into that period of their lives. Well, Stan and Ollie is effectively what you usually get in biopics as the bit of text at the end. Yeah. Like, this, this, is, this is that as a movie. You know how you get that bit of text and it's always more interesting than the movie you just watched? Yeah. Uh, case yeah. in point, I always bring up 12 Years a Slave, where they actually come up with an entire plot of a movie during the bit where they give you the text at the end and tell you what happened. You're like, wait a minute, that sounds like a great movie. Why don't you show me that? But yeah. that probably wouldn't have won Oscars. Or it might not have, we don't know. But uh, same thing with, with Stan and Ollie. But great performances from John C. Riley and Steve Coogan. Oh my God, they're so good in this. Perfect casting. We should ask for a little more money. A little more? Are you kidding? Charlie, Buster, Harold, they get 10 times what Hal pays us. Well, they own their own pictures. Exactly, that's what we're gonna do. Now, how are we gonna do that? We're under contract, we can't just change the terms. Well, we stick together. We renegotiate with Hal, get a bigger slice of the pie. If that doesn't work, then we walk and set up on our own. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to own our pictures, but it just doesn't seem like the right time. I've got a lot going on. This overhead is killing me. Hi, babe. Hello, Doyle. Hey, guys. You want it on set? You'll be fine, babe. Just lay off the horses and don't get married again. Oh, I didn't tell you. I proposed to Lucille. Scripty Lucille? Yes. Damn. And she said yes. Oh, that's great news, babe. I'm never getting married again. I'm just going to find a woman I don't like and buy her a house. <laughs> that's a good one. I'm gonna wreck it every time I hear his voice. Uh, anyway, on then to finish off our week, Thursday night. This is a bit of a late one, but if you can record it, do. Uh, absolutely great time. Uh, ITV4, 11.40 p.m. Joseph Kaczynski's Oblivion. Now, this is worth noting as well, because Kaczynski, of course, has directed Top Gun Maverick with Tom Cruise, the final trail for which has debuted this week. And I will admit, looked pretty badass. Mm -hmm. um, here we have Tom Cruise as effectively the last man on Earth clad entirely in white, standing before a barren land, which I'm not going to draw any parallels or conclusions to anyone's whims or desires from that, but all is not quite right on this desolate earth to which Tom Cruise has been left to caretake. But find out what the mystery is behind that um, on ITV4, 11.40 on Thursday. Uh, in the meanwhile, we shall return very, very quickly with your streaming, your DVD, and your on-demand releases for the next seven days. Welcome back to Off Screen. We've got one last ride for you as we're taking you through that bit that is everything in between your DVD, Blu-ray and streaming aisle. And uh, we're kicking off with... <laughs> God, we're kicking off with something available on Netflix um, as of today. It's the original 1989 horror classic that is Pet Cemetery. I probably saw this when I was way too young. Oh, yeah. Haven't really I'm seen it did. since. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I haven't seen it since. I'm looking at it right now on uh, on IMDb and going, oh, yeah, it's bringing back some sweet, sweet horror memories for me. <laughs> but that, it's, uh... The thing for me now is when I look back at this cast list in the Cold Light Day, like 2022, like we were spoiled back then. I mean, this oh, had yeah. Denise, Denise Crosby and Fred Gwynn. We're in this original version. I know that they replaced it with John Lithgow for the remake 30 years later, and that's great and everything, but 
Fred Gwynn, you don't replace Fred. Oh, anyway, uh, absolute classic. It's it's the time on a tale of the uh, the pet cemetery behind the house, and when you bury the dead cat there, the cat comes back and it's evil. So what happens when your your young child tragically dies and you bury their body in the same cemetery? You can sort of imagine it's it's not going to go well. Uh, but this is, I think, what the first version of that that I really remember seeing like Stephen King's whole thing was popularizing known was, was basically lionizing and, and, and kind of coming up with a definitive take on established classics I think that, that was his version for this and so you can see that mm. uh, Mary Lambert the original Mary Lambert version which incidentally does actually have a screenplay by Stephen King King did write the screenplay on this uh, but this is on mm. Netflix so from today one of the smorgasbord of offerings coming our way today, including on Netflix. Um, the next Netflix offering, incidentally, is one that I'm quite looking forward to. It's the new movie from mm. Judd Apatow, of all things. This slipped under the radar, I think, didn't it? How did that happen? The Bubble, uh, which is coming out on Netflix from today as well. I mean, this is, okay, scrap Enemy of the State. Let's watch this for a Friday night one, <laughs> right? Well, I'm really excited the- about this. You said the two words, Judd Apatow. This is set in a British hotel, or sort of a, a studio setup, uh, during the pandemic. It's about a crew of actors who are forced to bubble together and all of the madcap hijinks that go on as they do. It stars the likes of Leslie Mann. What are the odds? Oh, uh, is it uh, Maud Apatow? What are the odds? <laughs> and David Duchovny. So, um... I, I, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm seeing it purely because it has David... Even if, even if it wasn't a Judd Apatow movie, I would see it purely because it has David Duchovny in it, and I sold my soul to the devil long ago under the oath that I must always watch everything David Duchovny puts his name to for the rest of my life and career. Um, but so it's called The Bubble. Peter Serafini, which is in it as well, and it actually sounds pretty good. We are one of two movies in production right now. If we fail, the studio is going to go down. I'm not a magician. I know you're not a magician if you were... Just you pull a movie out of your ass. Oh my god, it's Minnie Driver. Oh, I love her. This movie's gonna make the world forget about all their problems. Ah! What we're doing is edgy. Ah! It's real. Crystal just did a f- TikTok with a dinosaur. Hey guys, I don't feel so good. Some of you tested positive for influenza. Lauren! <laughs> Think something's up with Lauren. Which is the good virus? Should we be concerned about, you know, this level of vomit? Sounds fun, right? Oh, it sounds super fun. Yeah, it's um. I, I mean, again, like obviously the soundtrack behind that is giving you like beat, uh, like head nodding bits to yeah. it, which I really like. But yeah, that sounds really fun. I really chuckled at that mini driver bit. <laughs> Oh, yes, I noticed that one. I think it's because we're not used to hearing her name anymore more than anything else. No, that is true. <laughs> okay, so, um, so moving is... on then, uh, on Prime Video today, we have another one. This is this is one that has never been, as far as I know, released in the UK. And there were actually decent expectations for this. Same director as the now Academy Award winning for Best Actor, King Richard, Renardo Marcus Green who directs Joe Bell, starring Mark Wahlberg. This is something that premiered in festivals around early to mid last year and was getting, actually, decent buzz. This was uh, sort of a heavy, you know, a potential awards contender for Wahlberg. They just never really panned out. It's based on a true story of a small-town father who embarks on this quest to walk across the U.S. in order to raise, you know, awareness and the profile uh, on behalf of his 
his son who gets bullied in his high school for being gay. So you think, okay, actually, I can see why you would want to do that as an awards contender. That's got kind of all the ingredients right there. Well, okay, this can work. Um, I've never seen it. It was not fresh shown as far as I know, but we will find out that comes out today on Prime Video, so we can head over there and have a look for ourselves. Um, also out today, and I know you've seen, and I, I'm pretty sure you must love this one, Bex. Of course. It's a movie, I don't even refer to this by name, I just refer to it as one of the top five action movies of all time. It is, of course, Bex, Speed. Oh, it is indeed. This is Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock, and, and the bus that just that cannot... slow down? <laughs> that cannot slow down, absolutely. It's a really simple concept, really. Just don't take your foot on, off the accelerator. Um, but for some reason, it is so incredibly engaging. And do not watch Speed 2. Just stick with this on repeat. Um, it's available on Prime Video from today. It's, uh, it's, it's one of the most iconic movies. It's also the movie where I think Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock actually had a little thing for each other, but never told each other. Imagine what a life that would have been if they'd actually hooked up. I'll tell you something, though. It can't quite match this level of sexual chemistry. Why didn't you just come after me? No, this is about me. This is about my money. This is about money due me, which I will collect. $3.7 million. It's my nest egg, Jack. At my age, you've got to think ahead. When I find you... Pop quiz, hotshot. There's a bomb on a bus. Once the bus goes 50 miles an hour, the bomb is armed. If it drops below 50, it blows up. What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? <laughs> what do you do? Watch well, it. Uh, Watch it and find out. <laughs> you, you turn a Joss Whedon, re a hastily Joss Whedon re rewritten screenplay into an absolute banger is what you do. Speed is one of the all-timers. If you've never seen Speed, what the hell are you doing with your life? It's on Amazon Prime Video right the hell now. Go and see it. Um, on Disney Plus from today, meanwhile, very different tempo, Bex. Oh, Amelie. so different. Amelie is coming. Oh, you call it Amelie? 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 Yeah. I, I, you know. The French movie, which uh, is very whimsical and, uh, and dreamy and uh, fun to watch. And I think lots of people will really, you know, lots of people really resonate it. I remember there's a lot of these uh, hairstyles that came out, this kind of short <laughs> crop bangs. Um, and and uh, once this film kind of really took, oh, gosh, I'm trying to think like when it came out originally. 2001 like, or 2002? Yeah, very yes. early 2000s. Mm. Oh, I thought late 90s. But yeah, wonderful, whimsical foreign movie uh, available now on Disney Plus for you um, as of today. On, also on Disney Plus from today, and I feel like they were just they were, they were having a laugh with this one. They put not one but two British cop actioners of the past fifteen years onto streaming. They have released the Ray Winston uh, remake, well, Ray, remake Ray Winston adaptation of The Sweeney, starring Plan B, because that was a thing yep. the world needed, and the Mark Strong versus James McAvoy Ridley Scott produced cop actioner. Welcome to the punch, which I will give it is at least better than the Sweden. You can see both on Disney Plus from today. Um, however, we do also have two, everything on streaming is coming out today, it's worth noticing. We've got two other things, and they are coming out on DVD and Blu-ray from Monday. They are both available on digital already. The first one is my money for so far the worst musical of the year. And I'm sorry, but I don't know what the hell the Razzies were doing giving awards to Netflix's recording of Diana the Musical. Come on, guys. You're not funny anymore. And if you're going to try to be, at least try and keep it relevant. Anyway, Dear Evan Hansen is out and it is god awful. 
uh, in which a man who looks like he's a 38-year-old Paul Simon impersonator plays a high schooler who feigns knowing a suicide victim so that he can try and get with the suicide victim's sister because he fancies her. Uh, in a musical. That's a thing that happened. Starring Ben Platt. It's on, it's on DVD and Blu-ray from Monday. <laughs> if you ever want to see an absolute horror show, I thoroughly recommend it. If not, no, no. And if they ever do decide that they're going to try doing the whole Guantanamo Bay thing again for some international crises down the line decades from now, instead of Barney the Dinosaur, I recommend this film. Uh, Spider-Man <laughs> No Way Home, meanwhile... <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home, meanwhile, is our final offering for this week. Comes to DVD and Blu-ray. Have you had the chance to rewatch this since it came to digital backs? Have you had the pleasure? Um, I've kind of had the pleasure. I've kind of half-watched it. And it's a long movie. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of, like, multiverse stuff. And you kind of have to really, really concentrate. But... It's good fun. I think Tom Holland is such a fantastic Spider-Man. I think his chemistry with Zendaya and I forget the the Filipino kid that plays Ned in it. Um, it's a brilliant oh, dynamic. Basilon. Yeah, um, fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm all like whoop whoop for the Filipinos. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's uh, look. I, I really enjoy each of these Spider-Man movies. I am yet to get to the part where we see all the other Spider-Mans. I have seen the bit where we've got a couple of. Uh, Green Goblins and and Dr. Octavius and things like that. So I look forward to continuing the movie and I think you guys will really enjoy this as well when you get it home. You ready? I'm ready. Nice knowing you, Spider-Man. Wait, excuse me? The entire world's about to forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Everyone? Uh, can't some people still know? That's not how the spell works. So my girlfriend's just gonna forget about everything we've been through? I mean, is she even gonna be my girlfriend? All right, fine. Everyone in the world's gonna forget that you're Spider-Man, except your girlfriend. Thank you so much. Oh my God, Ned. Okay, let's not change the parameters of this spell anymore while I'm casting Okay, I'm done, it. I'm done. I, I swear I'm done, I'm done. Nah, but my Aunt May should really know. Did you, did you just stop talking to me? <laughs> And that is why nobody remembers Chaos Walking. Anyway, Spider-Man No Way Home is on DVD and Blu-ray from this coming Monday. I have a strange feeling it's going to fly off the shelves, that one. Um, another one I think is going to fly off the shelves. It's going to be tickets to one of next week's big releases. Or maybe not. Who knows? Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore is finally upon us next week. Um, I'm, I'm hoping this one explains how uh, Jude Law makes the decision to switch from very tasteful tweed three-piece suits to uh, very elegant Gandalf robes. Um, we've also <laughs> got The Outfit next week. We've got Julia and You Are Not My Mother are all out next week as well, which means it's still another week before we get to talk about The Lost City. But we will get there. We will get to talk about The Lost You're City. You're very facts. excited about that. You're very excited. There is a lot of Channing Tatum's ass in that movie. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to wait another week to talk about it after you know after we've talked about a return to the Potterverse, notably. But uh, I think for now, that's about all we've got time for, really, isn't it? It is, and it's another great week of movies and a very controversial week of movies as well at the same time. But that was not anything that was on your small it screens absolutely slapped. it really did slap uh, slapped hard um, poor old Chris Rock anyway we will be back each and every week for you including next week um, and we can't wait for it but for now I've been Bex Perfect I've been Van Connor and we shall return <laughs> <laughs>